Good evening, good evening. Ruchim Aboim. Yeshus Maradaso Shlita. I thought this evening we would deal with some of the uh, current Shailas. That there are so many new Shailas that are coming up before in our times that it's Kedai every once in a while to have a discussion just to open up the uh, issues. One of the things that uh, come up from time to time, in fact it came up this week, is the uh, Shail of Sholem Bayes. Uh, oftentimes we can uh, get along with the people in our house, but it's the people not in the house, the people that are the relatives that are sometimes a little bit difficult. So as a Shaila, the husband or the wife says, you know, uh, I tell you the truth, your parents are difficult. They're challenging for us at the service of Sholem Bayes. I answer you, or I don't want that you should have anything to do with your parents, or I don't want we should go to their house, or I don't want that they should come to our house. Now, uh, we would say, how could it be such a thing? But if you would know the number of times that I get a call, uh, for instance, before Shuas, do I have to go? I'm, I'm Nicha, my wife should go, she should stay at the Suda, she should have a good time, but it doesn't mean I have to go, but I also have to enjoy. Then I have it the other way, my wife wants to invite her parents. When her parents come over, I have no, uh, I have no Shabbos, I have no Yom Tov, and my Mechuyev, if she wants to have them and they have their own home, they have their own apartment, do I have to have them? I've also been asked along the same lines, if a parent has a nachas ruach by the children visiting, children visiting, does the, do the parents in the middle, in other words, have the right to stop the children from seeing the grandparents? And in fact, I was asked this this week about seeing the grandparents. Now, of course, these are uh, abnormal shilas. Hopefully everything is running okay in the family and that things are going good and that all the relationships are good. But still, we have to know, can a person uh, make such a gezera in the house? The first is that we have a chiyuv to go to our parents or a chiyuv to see our parents at least shloish regalim. So Pesach, Shvuas, in Sukkot, a person has to go, whether they like it or not. The other is, of course, that a person should go at certain times during the year. We would say Chanukah, perhaps Rosh Chodesh. There was a minig in certain cities in Europe that Rosh Chodesh, they made a big feast and they would invite the family. I was told a person came uh, a few weeks ago from uh, Iran and he said on Rosh Chodesh they took off work. They made a Surah Rosh Chodesh, everybody gathered together. So we find out that there are more times actually than just to go for Shloish Regalim. But certainly a Pesach, a Sukkot, a Shuas, when the family wants to get together, we would not have the right not, uh, not to go. So the first is that there is a chiyuv from a son or a daughter to go to their parents. It would seem to be the opposite way around if the parents don't have a place, that it's a chiyuv for the son and the daughter to be machnasarich to have their parents. But we go further than that. There's a chiyuv for an edim to have over the shver or shviger. That's a difficult one, to have over the aid, the uh, shver, the shviger, and there is a chiyuv to have as uh, the mitzvah of kibbutz, for instance, uh, say in benching, in Berchus HaMazon, to say like the Taz, Birshus Ovimoyri, not only Birshus Chami, but Birshus Ovimoyri, the person could say. So we do see that there's a chiyuv. A second time, very interesting, where this chiyuv comes out, is everybody knows you make a simcha, everybody should make a simcha. So the big question we have always is to give the aliyahs. The aliyahs one after the other. The father can't go after the son, the son can't go after the father. So we always have the question of how to do it. Then they want to make hosafas and the shul says no hosafas. We have all the different issues. 
is the Edim, is the son-in-law allowed to go after a, son, a father, a father-in-law? Is that mutter? So it's interesting that there are days that no, same idea that the son-in-law should not follow the father-in-law and the father-in-law should not follow the son-in-law. So you see it's one of covered. It's also one of some say ayin hara that it shouldn't be like one goes after the other and they say, oh look, all the sons or the son-in-laws and so forth. So to avoid that, we don't do it. There we see that there's a chiyuv not only for the son to go to his parents, but for the daughter-in-law or the son-in-law to go to their parents as well. And that is a, a clear din. Over here though, there's a big chiddush. The big chiddush is if a person is allowed to prevent their children from going to their parents. I had a shaila that came up just now. The shaila I couldn't believe. The young man came in. He loves his grandparents very much. And sometimes the grandparents are able to understand the grandchild even better than the parents. It's an interesting thing. Sometimes there's a child and the parents don't understand them, but the older grandparents do very well with him or her. The parents said, you cannot go to the grandparents. And the son said, he's a big boy, he says, I want to go. No, uh, they'll influence you the wrong way. What do they mean? Because the parents do not always side, the grandparents don't always side with the parents. So the son comes, right? He's, he's holding his neshama and he says to me, do I have to listen to my parents or am I allowed to go to see the Baba Zayda? The interesting answer is that the Imre Yosha says, no, the parents do not have the right to take away the tremendous mitzvah of kibbud that the grandson has for the grandparents or the granddaughter has for the grandparents. They cannot take that away. It's a mitzvah of kibbud. You can't go and be masked on something that says in the Torah that you should or uh, grandparents have a certain chiv in, in terms of mitzvah's kibbud It's not discretionary that a parent can say visit them, don't visit them. It's their chiv. The only little chiddush that I find is myself, the chiyuv of a child, of a grandchild for the grandparents is through the parents. That chiyuv of kibud comes about through the parents. The parents are the ones that have the direct connection and therefore it's because of the parent that a person has to be mechabed their grandparents. What is the difference? Chas v'sholem, the parent is no longer here then the chiv of kibud is slightly different to the grandparents because that link in the chain is missing but under no circumstances can a, a husband asser a wife from going to her parents or a wife asser her husband to go to his parents it cannot be a person has to live and understand how to live together and there should not be any period between them. If they are, they should try to settle it. Uh, interesting idea is that even if there is, unless the only, uh, only case would be, the only possible heter would be that they cannot have shalom bias. If they get together, that they scream or they get together and they fight. So when there is such a, uh, when there is such a situation, then perhaps then and only then would a person have a heter not to go. Short of that, they can't say, I don't want to go or I don't want that you should go. I had a fascinating Misa where there was a son-in-law who took his father-in-law to a Din Torah. Took his father-in-law to a Din Torah. And the following is the Din. It was a fascinating thing. I wound up being literally in the driver's seat because it, they would not agree, they, couldn't, they were fighting so much they couldn't agree to go to anybody, to any Beisden. The only one that they could both agree on, Susanna Kapara, was to come to me. What happened was the father-in-law borrowed the, the, the car from the son-in-law. They say as a cloud bottle, don't lend out your car, but we're Rachmanin B'nai Rachmanin, we lend out the car. So he lend out the car, 
and the father-in-law brought back the car. Three days later, the car was broken. The son-in-law didn't want to lend it in the first place, does not have a chiba yaseira for the uh, father-in-law, got very upset, had to take it to the mechanic, had an expenditure of over $400, the car was out of commission for a week, and he was very upset. So uh, he says to his father-in-law, pay me. You took the car, you broke the car, pay me. The father-in-law says, that's the way you do a chesed for me. That's a car satoiv you have for me. I gave you my daughter, and you tell me I have to pay. Your car is broken anyhow. You gave it to me because you knew it probably wasn't going to last, and then I would have to pay you because it's going to break down while it's on my, on my charge, right? The son-in-law says, are you kidding me? I didn't want to lend it to you in the first place. Your, da your daughter told me I have to lend it to you. And then it broke, and they're fighting back and forth over the money. So they both come in, and they sit down, across the table, Baruch Hashem, there was a table in between us. <laughs> the table was there, and they start yelling. I said, Rabbi Sai, we can speak in any normal tone you like, but if you're gonna start yelling, I can't stay. I can't, you got to. I repeated this probably over the next two hours, 20 times. <laughs> they were just yelling and yelling. Finally, we began to look at it, the son-in-law brought Edus. Who did he bring Edus from? The car was just inspected by a from a mechanic who is his friend and knows the car very well. And he came in unbeknownst to the father-in-law and said the car was in perfect working order. In, if the car was broken, there was some type of a misuse that went on. And I'm telling you, the car was perfect and I'm often called upon to assess uh, someone that wants to buy a new car to see whether it's in good working condition or not. <laughs> so uh, with that, I said, okay, we'll make a deduction on it, but it would seem as though that the father-in-law does owe the money to the son-in-law. I had to tell the father-in-law by himself that he owes the money. The father-in-law says, I will not give it to him. I said, you came to me, you agreed, arbitration, right? Shtarburud, you agree. And now you tell you can't pay. You told me you're gonna pay. I didn't sit here for hours just wasting my time, Rabbi said. He said, No, I don't I'm not paying him into his pocket. I'm not paying into his pocket. Then I understood. I said, Would you pay for somewhere else? He says, Yes. I said, would you give the money to Tzedakah? He said, yes. I said, all right, let me see if your Adam is okay with that. I asked, called, I threw him out. I brought the Adam in. I said to the Adam, let me ask you a question. Would you be okay if he gave it to Tzedakah? They said, he won't give it to me. He didn't care that he gave it to Tzedakah. He won't give it. I said, I tell you the truth. I would rather not test it. He would give the money, but let him give it to the Tzedakah. So he said, fine. I would like that he should give the money. I would, he'll give the money in my schus. I would like that he should give the money. At that time, he said to food for Shabbos. Tom Shabbos. Okay, good. I told him to go out. I told the father-in-law to come in, and I said, fine, if you'll give a check and leave it here for Tom Shabbos. Oh, no. I'm not giving where he wants to give. I want to give where I want to give. I said, where would you like to give? He told me someplace. Right. I called in the Adem, and I said to the Adem, listen, Yeshver wants to give to a different place. He says, this is my schus. I don't have the right to give where I'm supposed to give, where I would like to give. I said, to tell you the truth, it is your right. But if I can't get him to give it, would you accept where he wants to give it? He said, but I, I won't be happy about it because at least let me feel that the money is going to the organization I wanted. I went to the shver, and I said to the shver that he wants it to be given to Tom Chishabas. The shver said, I'm not happy about this. He left me a check. 
he wouldn't fill out he said you fill it out he couldn't write us on the pen from that I learned a big parak in the halachos of Sholem Bayis how far and how deep the feelings could go I wanted to tell them that they should shake each other's head before they left <laughs> but I didn't test it I just I let them go I will never forget them sitting together. I, I'll just tell you one more, which was extremely difficult for me. I just want to mention it. I come to the chasana. I didn't have a big shaykhis with the kalas mishpacha. I had a shaykhis with the chasana. I was a little bit late. I didn't have a big shaykhis anywhere, but I wanted at least to come to the chasana. I came an hour after the chuppah was to be over. I walk inside. As soon as I walk in, I see somebody run in. They run, in, they run away as soon as they saw me. And two people come out to me and said, the kala would like to see you. <laughs> it was bizarre. I'm late, I'm after the chuppah, and the kala, they come and they see that I walked in and the kala went, I go to the kala. I find that the kala is in a room together just with one of her friends and she's crying and crying. And I said to the Kala, what's the matter? Every Kala I know cries Bechiyas and Tfilas and Tachnunim and everything, but this doesn't seem to be that. So she said, I tell you the truth, my father uh, didn't show up and we didn't have the chuppah yet. I said, well, wh what happened with your father? So she said to me that they had been arguing. They had always been very upset, very upset with each other. And he said, you know what? They had an argument. He says, I won't go to your chuppah. So she said, every father goes to the daughter's chuppah. He didn't come. They tried to call him. He didn't answer the telephone. Could I possibly speak with him. I called up. He didn't answer. I left. Hello. How are you? This is told him my name. I'd like to talk with you. I have something. Uh, I want to talk to you a matter of chinuch. He's a little bit of mechanich. So I said, I want to talk to you about chinuch. The truth is, it was chinuch, right? And uh, he didn't answer it. I tried him back 20 times. Altis yaish. Never give up. I tried three times, tried five times, tried ten. I tried him back about 20 times. The 20th time that I called, he picked up. I said, Rabbi so-and-so, I got a big Indian of chinuch that I would like to talk with you about. It's extremely important. Oh, yes, yes, I, I know. Uh, where, 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 when can we meet? Where can we meet? I said, well, it's quite urgent. Can we meet tonight? He says, yeah, if you have to. I said, okay. I'm at the uh, Sands Hotel, or wherever you call it. It's in Atlantic Beach. And uh, can I meet you like in the parking lot? So he said, okay. He came to the parking lot of the Sands. I, w I waited outside for him. He gets out of the car all nervous. I don't know what he thought I had to meet with him, but all the, I'll never forget it. He left his car door open. <laughs> He's running over to me, and the door's open. So I said to him, uh, you want to shut your door? This is New York. You know, you may want to shut your door and lock it tonight. I walk in with him into the chasana. I had no, I didn't have an so what to do. I walked in the chasana, and I sit at the back, in the chasana's tish. They were, everybody was waiting. They saw me walk in with him. But nobody, everybody was too nervous, didn't come over. I was sitting there for a while, and he began to see some of the people from his family. And he said to me, uh, is it chasana now, right now? I said, this is your daughter's chasana. He looked at me. I said to him, you know, I think we should be sitting in the front. Not here. I took him by the hand. I said it. He was oblivious, like he was in shock. It came time to take the chasen two hours late to Badek. The father grabs me, the father who I made the meeting with, 
I'm walking with the chassid on the side. I don't even know he, I don't know anybody there. And I'm walking in and everybody's, uh, he stayed. I stood with him under the chuppah. I waited with him. They were afraid. I waited with him by the suda. And I thought to myself, mi yodeya, what happens with Sholem Bayes? Had he missed his daughter's chasana, it not, wasn't there at the most important time of his life. Like her, don't like her. But how could you miss such a thing? Siata Dishmaya, that he was there that night. I just want to say on Sholem Bayes, we have to be very careful because the Yetzer can work so great. He can take two people that were meant for each other, that have tremendous Abba for each other, and can create Pirud. Lukute Maran says that uh, the Satan in today's time wants to stop people from meeting, and when there is a family unit, tries to pull them apart. Says it very clearly. I have also twice been Masada Kedushin by someone who was Machser Grushosoy, who got divorced and took the same wife back twice. So I have to say that a lot of times a person should be very careful. Shalom bias, it seems as though like, you know, it's a slippery slope when it starts to go down. We should be careful because Godullah Shalom, greatest Shalom, no matter what, Godullah Shalom is nothing bigger in this world than getting along. Even you don't get along. The Heiliger of Pinchas Karatzer once said, it's better that you have a Shalom which is false than a Milchama which is true, which is real. Better that a person fakes it and tries to get along. Okay, uh, another cutting edge Shaila that unfortunately or fortunately I'm asked, I say, Why? Because there are Shailas that I'm asked today that 10 years ago I would have never been asked. 10 years ago a person would not have admitted. 10 years ago a person wouldn't be. Today the Oilam is unbelievable. They'll ask Shailas, they want to know, they'll ask difficult questions, questions that might be difficult for them to follow if they hear the psak is not in their way, but they will ask. Old people, young people, children, children ask Shailas, unreal. I got a little guy uh, comes in the line, you know, Lel Shabbos, everybody comes over and says, good Shabbos to the roof, right? So everybody's there, but you can always tell if somebody has some, something to talk about, they ask the last, they stay in the back so that everybody, you know, goes and then they have their time. So there's a little guy, and he's staying in the back. And I'm wondering, he wants to say something. Finally, he gets over to me, and he says, I have a Shiloh. I said, okay, good. I bend over, and what's the Shiloh? He says, I just got my report card. I want to know if I'm Mechuyov to show it to my father. I said, uh, well... <laughs> Uh, you know, do you have a reason not to show it? Oh yeah! <laughs> oh yeah! So, I will show you to show it to my father. Very interesting. Even a little guy has a Shiloh. I worked it out for him. I intervened a little bit, but uh, his father is a little bit uh, strong. Interesting thing is that a lot of people ask today all kinds of Shilohs. Chosheh Mishpat, Evna Ezra, Yeridea, you could get four Shilas from Talad Chelke Shulchan sometimes within the same hour. It's, it's an amazing, amazing thing. So, uh, the Shilu that has come up now uh, with the proliferation of the medical use of marijuana is uh, something that is uh, all over the place. The reason is, is because it's not only medical use, it's crossing over. That's like the, the Pesach Pasuach it's an open door to recreational. The recreational is open door to other things, to products that are used with it. Tea, that they have a certain amount, certain small amount now, which will be legal in certain states. Uh, cookies and brownies, v'chule, and all different types of things. So what is the uh, halacha? 
Hagoyim Reb Moshe Feinstein, Sechet Tzadik Livrocha, wrote an Igris Moshe many years ago concerning uh, marijuana. And Hagoyim Reb Moshe brought up two, two inyanim. One, he brought up the uh, idea of Hesach Hadas, that when a person is under the influence, when they're high, so they're not able to think about the mitzvahs. They have to be Kari uh, Krishma, Kavona for Tefillah, Kavona for Bracha, not to be Maska Shem Shemaim Levatola, not to say Hashem's name in vain. Other things, and Agoyen Ramosha also added in concerning the health uh, that a person Nishmaratam Oilan Afshasechem, all of that. I would like to add in one, and there, that Shuvah is clear. I'd like to add in one more idea, and uh, it's a very important thing. Hagam that there are studies that say that it's not a gateway drug, that it will not lead to other things. Unfortunately, I've seen over the year through experience that people that come in definitely say that it started with just casual smoking, even Leprochim, not always, but sometimes with smoking some of uh, marijuana, and from that it led on. So it's an interesting thing, and certainly today, Opioids, which is a crisis uh, all over, especially in the United States. Opioids is a, a major, major idea. There was a seminar last week, and they asked five Rabbonim, they asked me to come about the opioid cr- uh, crisis. Hagoyin Rebbe Yoshev also has a tshuva, and the last chalik of his tshuvas concerning somebody, a Baal that gave over a get, and there was a question whether he was under the influence when he gave over the get. And the bow was recalcitrant. He was a difficult bow to get to give the get. And uh, Rav Yoshev has a beautiful tshuva in which he is materet. But interesting, uh, we have to see because uh, sometimes it will not be considered any mice basin that is done uh, by Adim. Adim. In order to give edus, they can't be drunk. Edus to give uh, edus on a chasana, edus on a they have to be clear thinking. Uh, individual to do a maisa basin, they have to have their wits about them. Uh, the great uh, Ramah, when it would come to be on Purim, so by night, uh, some people would fall asleep, some people would be a little bit chicker. They say that the Ramah used to wear a mask, he put on a mask, it would go to door, door to door and would remind people that they should daven Marev and if they needed a good coffee before Marev that they should take the coffee first. So we would think today, imagine you tell a rov, you should go from door to door, wake people up for Marev. <laughs> the person would say, what? The Ramah, the Ramah went from door to door. That's a rov, understands the chiyuv, the the obligation to go from person to person. So, we have two levels of shikris. We'll talk about levels of shikris. First of all, a person shouldn't. Hagoyin Rebbe Yoshev also was asked that what happens about taking medical marijuana. And Rebbe Yoshev had a few reasons why he was not in favor. However, he said, of course, that if it's deemed necessary and an individual would have to, loyaleinu, then they could. But he was not so much in favor of the whole idea of usage. By a shikr, uh, so a shikr is a, is a shaila, if a shikr says something, is his word or her word taken? And the shaila is uh, presented that it happened to be that uh, someone once called up a shikr, and he said, the person that was uh, under the influence, he was drunk, he said, I would like to give $1,000 uh, to such and such a tztokah. So immediately the shliach went and said to the tztokah, he's giving $1,000, you can go and his money is there, it will be, uh, it's uh, certainly going to be given to you, and you can use uh, whatever uh, you need to buy for $1,000. They went on and bought it, the person was under the influence of a shikr. The next day, when the shliach said, okay, I did the shlichus, now you should give over the $1,000 to the organization. He says, what are you talking about? I didn't call him about that, right? So uh, interesting uh, din is the maisa that he did when he told the shliach that he should go 
and give the thousand dollars, is that a Misa or not? Now we have a din in Shulchan Aruch, Choshen Mishpot Simen Reish Lamed Hey, Hashikar Mikchomekach Umimkara Mimkar. The Hashikar that does business, his business is good. So if he said thousand dollars, it's a thousand dollars, and it's an interesting idea because it depends on uh, what the level of shikris was. There is a regular shikr, regular person that gets a little bit high, in which their judgment is impaired, and they could be uh, taken, chas uh, v'shalom, they get behind the driver's uh, wheel, they could be taken in because it's a DWI, driving while intoxicated. However, there's a deeper level, and there's a point measure for that. But there's a deeper level, and that is shikr ke light. A person is so shikr, they're wasted. Shikr ke light. They have no uh, idea in which planet they're living on, whether it's Mars or wherever it is, uh, whatever one of the planets are still left and recognized today. So if an individual reaches that level, then there is a question, certainly the maizim that they do halachically would be under a very big question because a person needs to have das for what they're doing. A person needs to have kavana for whatever we're doing. Afalpi, even though we paskin that mitzvahs do not need kavana, but that's as long as a person will not be mezalzel in the mitzvah. If an individual is a shikr, if they're drunk, they may be mezalzel. They will not treat the mitzvah lightly. Uh, I'm sorry, they will treat the mitzvah in a light way. An example would be, a lulav and esrig, I don't have to have kavana. I don't have to. It could even be that I don't even realize it's sukkahs. I had an individual that did not know it was Yom Kippur. They were in a treatment program, they had lost count of the days. They didn't know what it was. Somebody came into the treatment program. Borei sent to them a shliach. And it was the night. And they were carrying a Yom Kippur machsa. The individual had to be in there. And the person saw another Jew. Went over to them and said, Gee, uh, you have a, a book. Is that like a safer or something? So he says, it's a machsa. He says, which machsa? It's Yom Kippur. Tonight's Yom Kippur? I don't believe it. The individual started crying and crying and crying. It's one thing. A person may not be so observant, but it's another thing to forget. A person came from a home that was a good home, a home where they knew what mitzvahs were all about and doesn't know it's even Yom Kippur. That person came to Tshuva that night. That night. When they realized they went so far, they didn't realize what's Yom Kippur anymore. So, there's two things. So the person goes, and they didn't realize it's Sukkot, and they see a lulav and esrug on the table, and they pick it up, and they begin to shuckle it. It's a mitzvah. They don't need to have kavana. Uh, it's better if they do have kavana, but the fact that they took the mitzvah, that mitzvah they still got. Any mitzvah the person does, that they didn't realize it. Uh, interesting thing, uh, somebody fasts. They fast. Sunday. Shivos HaVetavos, right? Unless it's going to be gone and will be in Yerushalayim. Bez Hashem. So they didn't realize it. They didn't get a chance to eat all day, right? And they fasted. It's Eulah. The fast is Eulah. They didn't think about it. They didn't have Kavana. They wanted to eat several times, but they didn't. That mitzvah that they have is Eulah L'Cheshven. They get the they get the, uh, the schar. However, if a person is mesausal in the mitzvah, they'll pick up the lulav and esrug, and they'll take it the other way around, or they'll hold it upside down, or they'll start to go after somebody with it. So then already it's a zilzal in the mitzvah. That person will not get the mitzvah, because that is a bizoy of the mitzvah. So we see over here that there is a difference. The difference would be the level that a person is shikr. With Something like marijuana, which of course is an enhanced state of uh, a high, whatever, a person's inebriated, we would have to say that it would impair the person's ability to do a regular mitzvah, if not for all of the other things. How it will unfold, how it will play out, will be very interesting in the months and the years to come. 
because the status is going to change. How does the status change? If, I don't know, 60, 70 years ago, no one would go in the middle of the street. Let's take in the city. No one would go in the middle of Fifth Avenue and walk across. That's jaywalking. Jaywalking is a ticket, right? Today, a guy will go in the middle of the highway, uh, 306, whatever it is. John, uh, I gotta go, a minion, whatever, right? So he goes and he dodges the cars. Yeah, I don't know if he should do it, right? But they do it. What's the reason? Because I spoke to an officer. He said that even though jaywalking is ticketable, there's relaxed restrictions today, and a person does not get a ticket for jaywalking. They don't. So you could jaywalk. It's like Potter Avalosser. You could do it, but you shouldn't do it. The same thing is going to be, I'm afraid, in the future with these uh, certain recreational drugs. Right now, it's no longer a jail sentence. It's no longer take the guy in in handcuffs. It's a ticket. You park, you forgot to put money in the meter, and you come back, you get a ticket. The person's caught with uh, whatever, they get a ticket to go home with. It's a beautiful thing. What I'm afraid is that it may change the way that people view it. But the Torah does not change the way that it's viewed. And a person will have to be careful uh, in the future as to exactly uh, how we will view this and uh, whatever uh, things that will come into the home or come into the simchas, we'll have to be extremely careful in what the, uh, what the substances are and how we guard it. And uh, it may take a person to be very careful within the next even uh, coming months as to what they will see and what they will allow into their own home. I would uh, uh, like to go over another a very interesting issue. And sometimes from the chubas themselves, you can see a glimpse into the period of time. If you take a look in the Ein Yitzchok, into the great Rabbi Yitzchok Elchon Inspector, you can see a lot that went on in the times of the different challenges of the Jewish community. There are certain chuvas in there that are unbelievable. You'd say like there are chuvas today, modern day chuvas. You can take a look in some of the shilas that are in the Sefer from the Satmarov. Unbelievable shilas that that you can relate to today. You can go back to the Rambam and take a look at Shuvahs from the Rambam and can relate to the Rambam. He talks about are you allowed to take something in Eretz Yisrael, the person had a beautiful house and they want to make it into a garden. Can you take the house and make it into a garden? All very fascinating Shuvahs along the years. Certainly those during the Holocaust give us a or gives us a great uh, idea. It gives us an outlook on the Shoya. The things that the people asked. The kinds of things that were happening. The kinds of things that people endured during that time. And the godless, the gvura of people that were willing to ask anything, anything at a time when we would say that there was a tour. So I find the fascinating Shiloh were coming up to the uh, yard site of Rabbeinu Yaakov Yosef, the chief rov of uh, New York. Uh, Rabbeinu Yaakov Yosef, whose kever uh, is in Queens. Many people go uh, for the yard site from all over. It's very fascinating. I go together. Uh, we take a group every year. It's a fascinating thing. So just to give a, a, a little idea of the tshuva of Rabbeinu Yaakov Yosef, he says the following, that people are coming from Europe. When people came from Europe, it was extremely difficult because they had to be resettled here. First World War, Second World War, they had to be resettled in America. And it was a difficulty to resettle them, to get them a job, to sponsor them, to take care of them. So uh, Rabbeinu Yaakov Yosef said that there was a person that came to Pennsylvania, uh, to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, there was a Goyen, Ramosha Sivitz. Ramosha Zivitz was one of the early Goinim here, Ramosha Shimon. And uh, while he was here, there was a man that came that needed to be sponsored. So he found him some job 
locally he found him some job, he was able to do a little bit malamdas, some other things, and he kept him here and he sponsored him. Okay, everything was going good. About a year later, a sister of his came. The sister understood, the sister knew a little bit better English, and the sister landed a job, I forgot in which city, and she was a uh, librarian, and a librarian at that time was a very nicely paid position. So she had a lot of money, and in those days, a person that had money would sometimes give it to the Rav for a Gemilus Chesed, give him a thousand, give him five hundred, whatever they had, and the Rav would lend it out, would help people, and then when they wanted the money back, they would get it back. This was a common practice. That was just how it was. And the woman came and said to Rosivitz, I have money and I don't need it right now. I'm myself, whatever. And I'd like to give it and to do a gemilas chesed. So Rosivitz said, fine. People were very needy. They needed every penny. There weren't so many wonderful programs like we have today. And people need for, for you know, like the one-stop shop for anything. They weren't separate. Bikrocholim, Machnosaskala, Gemachim. They're all the, everyone came to one row. So he took the money. A few months later, she comes together with a man. And she says to her brother, she would like to get married. So her brother, of course, takes her and this man to Rav Zivitz. Sometimes you have to have TSIN to know about people. Rav Zivitz takes a look at this guy. He takes a look at her. He knew that there's no Tzara Shava Benayin. He also knew that this guy looks a little bit too sharp. The woman was very homely, very plain. And the guy was very sharp, dashing, debonair. Rav Zivit saw something that wasn't 100% right with this whole thing. And he began to talk with them. And he began to say that you don't have to rush into things. Maybe you don't know each other well yet. Uh, she came from Europe. And, and the more that he said it, the more that the guy started rushing and saying, no, 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 we have to get married, we have to get married. No, it's not right, we want to get married immediately. No, it's not right. Anyhow, uh, he knew that Rosivitz had some of the money from the woman, so he told the woman, you know why he doesn't want you to get married? Because he wants to hold on to your money. He's not going to give it back to you. So she came to Rosivitz by herself the next day, and she said, Rabbeinu, I like that back the money that I gave. He never caught on to it. He didn't want to give back the money. So he said, wait, I have it out. It's going to be a little scarcer. She said, oh, no, 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 no. That's what he said is going to happen. I want that. And then she began to make a storm. As it happened, he couldn't do anything about it. Rav Zivitz gave back the money. They want him to be Masada Kedushin. He tried to get out of being Masada Kedushin. He didn't want to do it. Whatever happened in those days, we don't know. But what ended up was, he was Masada Kedushin. But he used Posula Edim in order that Chas Shalom, this guy should be a scoundrel. And after he has the money from the wife, he'll run away. At least he'll have the Edim that were Psulim, and it'll make it a little bit easier. The guy came in, he was very sharp. He saw the Edom, and he realized that the Edom were not Edom Kesherim. And he made a whole big deal. He wants to have Edom that are Kesherim. They had Edom Kesherim. Rav Zivitz could not do anything about it. His hands were tied behind his back. So soon, he's standing under the chuppah. They have a chuppah v'kidushin. And no matter what happened, it was impossible to stop things. Sure enough, the next day, Yad Rishayim Tzlocha, the guy took off. In those days, you cannot track the person by getting a detective. You can't track the person on the, who knows what, the, the internet. You can't track the, a person that left, what's the chances of getting him, you know? Uh, it's, it's an interesting thing. So, uh, they came now to uh, Rav Zivitz, 
and they started to demand that Rav Zivitz give to them a skula to get the guy back. Now, Rav Zivitz was pretty much uh, not a school type of a person. He was more just a big Tamar Chacham. He was a going Nifla. And he didn't know about schoolers or how to bring them about. They gave him a lot, a lot of, uh, a lot of pressure. And they didn't leave him alone because they felt that he's a big Tamar Chacham. And he'll know, it's all in the tshuva. And he'll know the way to get him back. Finally, they didn't leave him alone. And what he told him was that they should take a piece of parchment. He got a piece of parchment. He had written on there, because of law, Sefer Krisus, about to get. And he rolled it up in a certain way. And say, go chatzois, gesundheit, go chatzois, and leave, gesundheit. Go and leave the parchment in the Aron Kodesh and cry, and he gave them certain kapitlach to say, and he said, that'll be your skula. The truth is, he didn't have anything else to say, so he told them. They went, and they cried, and everything uh, was terrible. And they realized that the Rebbe was right. But did they apologize not to, that they didn't listen? No. But they realized that he was right. Okay, a crazy thing happened, uh, what happened was the Aguna, the Aguna was in Pennsylvania. All of a sudden, there was a telegram that came from a Rav in Baltimore. The scoundrel, the man, appeared. And somehow, the man began to talk about what he did. He showed up somewhere. And, you know, a person, sometimes Megala the Emmis, and he didn't mean to be. So he's Megala. What happened? The Rav in Baltimore held him and said, you got to do a get. So there is such a get that a person could do. If you can't be there, the person can't be there. So he could give commands to the... They could do it by letter. They could do it by the post and put Simonim on it. So immediately they came and uh, what they did was they put her name as the names go into the get. He, she wasn't, uh, the rub was not around when the rub from Baltimore needed the names. So they put, her name is Sprinza de Miscaria Etta. Sprinza de Miscaria Etta. Sprinza, that is also called Etta. Okay, the Masader wrote out the get. They gave the get. And uh, what happened was they sent it up to uh, Pennsylvania in order to give it over to the Isha. All of a sudden, when the Rov came back and saw that it was written Etta, that was not her name. Her name was Heta. Not Etta with an iron, but Heta with a hay. So uh, now there came to be a tremendous problem because the Gitan... The names are very, very important. A name which is off can puzzle the get. This was the one chance that the Isha had to be freed from being an Aguna. They could not paskin the Shaila. They sent it to New York to Agoyin Rabbeinu Yaakov Yosef. However, if you remember, I wish we had the time tonight to go into the history. Rabbeinu Yaakov Yosef went through terrible, terrible problems. He came and because he wanted to clean up kashras, the Satmarov said that Rabbeinu Yaakov Yosef is responsible for kashras today. The reason we have kashras is because Rabbeinu Yaakov Yosef was loichem, he fought the mochem to to clean up the kashras and to clean up the mashkichim and to clean up the shchitas and that's why we had it. But he had so many people that were against him. He had people that ran against him, people that were ready to violently hurt him, people that bashmutzed his name, that took out ads against him, people that got him thrown out from being the chief rabbi, they got him thrown out from his house, they took away the table and chairs from him. What one rov went through is unbelievable. And he had a stroke. He had a stroke, he took a stroke, and he was confined to his bed in his room. And it's a interesting story. The last Shabbos of his life, he came out. 
the last Shabbos of his life, Shabbos, he came out to make a drusha, and they carried him. They, they brought him in. Thousands of people came to listen, even the people that hated him, people that made his life difficult. They all came to It's a fascinating, fascinating incident. It's recorded. And in fact, at the end, all of the journals and the times have most of the story in there. It's recorded. There's a Yid of Landau that wrote a safer on it, and it's uh, documented. Anyhow, Rabbeinu Yaakov Yosef was too ill at that time, so he sent the Shaila over to a Goyen Rabbi Yitzchak Elchon inspector, to the Ein Yitzchak. He sent it to Europe. And I also saw from a Goyen Rabbi Elchon and Wasserman, that he also Shiloh's back and forth to Pennsylvania. The Chalkas Binyamin, Rabbi Yomin Silverberger, wrote, who was a Gerer, Chosid, a big rov, he wrote Shiloh's Rebbe Chonin, Rebbe Chonin wrote back to him. So there was correspondence that went back and forth. Finally, Hagoyin Rabbi Yitzhak Elchonin took a look at it, and he says that the Shemus uh, Noshim, there's a Sefer Shemus, it says there that if the person uh, is named, that her name was Sorka, and instead they knew her as Sorka, instead they called her Sara or Guta, a name Guta, Gita, and they called her instead Gutlin, that they're okay because the Iker of the shame is equal. There's a way that the Iker of the shame was, was uh, equal and they're both the same. Bidiyevid, you could rely on it. The Pischei Tshuva cites the Sefer Get Mekusher, and it says, of course, L'Chadchila, that a person has to write the proper name. But Bidiyevid, Bidiyevid, it would be okay. Here, they wrote Etta. Her name is Heta. But since Etta is the Iker shame of Heta, and since it was an Aguna, to be Matra an Aguna was something that was since it was a case of being matra aguna, so Rabbi Yitzhak Elchonin cited several rayas, wrote back to Rabbeinu Yaakov Yosef. Rabbeinu Yaakov Yosef then instructed the rov of Moshe Shimon Zivitz that the get is a good get, and afterwards everybody learned a very important lesson. We see from the tshuvas a lot. Not only do we get uh, understanding of halacha and understanding of ashkafa, but just hadracha in life through seeing certain of the tshuvas, what people ask about, what they were willing to listen to, how an individual would guide every single nuance of their life, every single second of their life by halacha, by das Torah, is an amazing, amazing thing. Bez Hashem Yisbarach, I hope in the future we'll have uh, chances to learn together. There's no more beautiful shir than to come Thursday night after a long week and to sit together and Rabdavid makes it kishmak with the cholent and the kugel. It's beautiful. Bez Hashem Yisbarach, the schus of the Torah. We should have all the brachas and great hatzloch and ruchnius and gashmias. Everybody a good summer.